This episode of the podcast is with SNC coach Mark Reed of Malmo in Sweden. Like on episode three with Ross Bennett, Mark mentions some potential intern opportunities that may be coming up at the club. So give Mark a follow and keep an eye out for those. Mark also talks about how working in Sweden differs to the UK and how he incorporates triphasic training with his players. There's loads of great information in this episode, so enjoy. Welcome to episode five of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today I'm joined by Mark Reed. So Mark has uh, been very kind in taking up some of his time to speak to us today. Um, similar to the last podcast, Mark puts out some great stuff on social media, so he's someone that uh, I've followed his work for a while and seen, seen what he's doing over in Sweden. It's something I'm going to talk about today. Um, so I was really keen when we started the podcast to get him on. So thanks a lot for coming on, Mark. No, hi Ben, how's it going? Thank you for uh, having me on. Hopefully I don't uh, bore too many people to sleep, but uh, hopefully someone will want to listen to what I've got to say, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure that's not going to be the case, mate. You know, you've got plenty to say. <laughs> um, we'll just kick it off. Let's go into uh, your background. And um, if people don't know where what you're doing at the moment, where you are at the moment, let's go into that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess to start with, I have to say that I'm a, I'm a Cornish boy from heart. So I grew up in, in Cornwall, in the countryside, um, playing every sport possible, whether it be, you know, cricket, tennis, football, trying to dabble in rugby, but being useless at that. Um, and then and then growing up, realising I wasn't good enough to be a, to be a professional footballer. You know, that was my my one love was to, to play football. Um, and then that sort of, sort of moved into, OK, if I can't be a footballer, what can I do to, to work in? football so I started to coach a little bit um, locally and helping teams out and, and, and then I did the, what you'd call the FA level one and moving into the FA level two and um, I think I was quite young when I passed that one so it was quite early doors but then I then enrolled in a course at um, Marjorie University in Plymouth um, called Applied Sports Science and Coaching um, which I just try and tie in you know the coaching side to the sports science side um, and that was a great three years just to um, to be away from home and, and, and also just to help my own performance. And you know, I used to think about nutrition and, and performance and how I could help my own very poor career as an amateur footballer. Um, but how that course helped, that was fantastic. Um, and after that three years, you know, coming out at, God, how old are you, 21, um, was probably naive in thinking that I was going to, you know, come straight out and, and get a job. I think I was applying for every every job that was out there ones at Celtic and this and that and that but you know nothing came, I'm pretty sure nothing came back whatsoever um, so then it was a case of okay what we're going to do after university um, popped off to America for a few months and, and continue to coach um, and use those other qualifications that I got and, and it was more of a multi skills and, and and going out and coaching in, in over there in New Jersey and New York um, I then came back Continued to apply for jobs, still nothing. Um, moved back to Cornwall, um, worked for a little bit, and, and okay, what's the next step? And and decided to take a bit of a leap and move up to to Cardiff and start at um, Cardiff Metropolitan University on an MSc, um, Sport and Exercise Science. Um, and it, to be fair, it was like it was a it was a very small class. It was like six or seven of us, um, and I said to myself after the first degree, you know, after not being able to get a job, I thought, 
this time, whenever an, uh, an opportunity comes to go and work, whether it be volunteer here, volunteer here, that I would say yes, no matter what it was. So literally from day one of that Masters, I was saying yes to, to go and work with whether it be uh, Welsh hockey or I think we went down to work with some cyclists, some sprinters. Once we went down to work with England Badminton to help out with some testing. So I was, you know, I was traveling down to Milton Keynes, going everywhere, um, trying to get as much experience as possible because, um, you know, at the end of the day, that was what I wanted to do was to be a sports scientist or a strength and conditioning coach. So I was saying yes to everything. Um, it was it was such an applied um, year at, at Cardiff Met. Obviously, it was called UIC before. Um, it's some good good lecturers, and then I was lucky enough. There was a job at I think it, I think it was on UK Sport. It was uh, one at Swansea City, um, an unpaid internship. So I was lucky enough to get that. Um, and to be fair, I you know it was a graft for for a good year. So I think I had two jobs. I was finishing my master's thesis. I was working five, six days a week um, down at Swansea under some good practitioners. There was Johnny Northeast, who's who's at DC United, and Ryland Morgans. Um, so that was a really good year. You know, it was a tough year. You know, I don't God knows how much caffeine I drank that year. It was crazy, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a good year. And then we moved the next the next little step on the ladder was West Bromwich Albion. Um, so I moved to Birmingham again, a little bit of a further leap away from Cornwall. Um, getting further up the country and then uh, an internship there it was a paid internship so actually you know it's starting to become on that ladder so it started unpaid then it was a paid internship at West Brom um, and then worked hard and, and managed to get an under 18s role there um, and that was it you know that was a super super time working with or, or sort of mentoring off Nick Grantham and Chris Barnes you know Nick's sort of strength side, Chris's GPS side, Matt Green on his on field conditioning. So, you know, working with the under 18s. And that, that's where I really started to get an appreciation for uh, sort of adolescence and, and working with children. Um, and then, you know, it was around that time I thought, you know, being a Cornish boy, I probably wanted to be by the coast. Um, and then luckily enough, the job app came up to, to move to Sweden. So I Googled where the hell Malmo was and uh, it looked lovely so I came over here for an interview towards the back end of uh, one of the seasons with West Brom um, spoke to the sporting director and the head fitness coach about their view of what this role was going to be um, I was lucky enough to get it um, it was a really nice day when I arrived so that sold it to me it was sunny um, which is a lie because it's grey from like October to March so it's just windy and cold but on that day it was really sunny um, but then you know six weeks later it was the end of the season in England then I was moving to moving to Sweden, um, and then, God, it's 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 three and a half coming up to four years now that I've been here, um, and you know it's a it's a country which they speak English, um, so it makes you a little bit lazy, and you know it's not you're not moved to France or Germany where they won't speak to you unless you speak their language, um, so you can speak English, but you know obviously speaking to you before I've been on Swedish courses recently, and uh, I'm trying to get there. So I'm not far off. I reckon, you know, give me another another couple of years, I'll have my have my Swedish passport and be able to be fluent. So, um, but it's it's something that that I would encourage people to do. You know, people are maybe a little bit stuck in the mindset that they have to work in England or Wales or Scotland and and, and not move too far from home. But you know, there's lots of opportunities in Europe to go and to go and work and do internships. And, and I would definitely encourage it because it's you know it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. I was just about to go on to that. So 
when you were talking through obviously all the opportunities that you that you've had and essentially that you've created as well because i think a lot of people will sit behind a laptop or on social media and they'll wait for opportunities to come to them but essentially what you've done is you've gone out and put yourself out there you said about moving away from home you're not on the on your doorstep um, you've gone and done unpaid work at clubs would there be anything that you do like differently along that path because obviously that's led to you to where you are now but would there be anything that you'd look at and say well I'd have maybe not done that and focused on this a little bit more or how would you have gone about it differently if you would have done you know what the the, the thing of of uh, growing up in Cornwall is that when I was thinking about how I wanted to what I wanted to do and, and with the profession and, and there's one professional rugby club the Cornish Pirates and then it's semi-professional football and the nearest professional football club is Plymouth Argyle which again is you know it's not it's not the top division so you know they're not going to be employing a lot of people so my thought was you know I need if I want to go and work in professional sport which I did I need to go and move away um, which was a good thing you know I, it's a life experience to go move to, to Wales to Birmingham to Sweden but actually naively probably and, and looking back now um um and speaking to people in the industry about and how it's developed is I, I should have probably taken a way more opportunities in Cornwall with with semi-professional teams you know uh, um, there's obviously a huge surfing culture um, in Cornwall and, and actually I, I've got a few friends who work down there now and doing a great job um, working with that de- demographic and, and I probably miss that thinking okay I need to go and just work in professional sport and probably a lot of people think that when they come out of the university um, instead of thinking what can I do you know there's, there's 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 kids everywhere there's schools that you can go and work with there's surf academies here rugby teams here semi-professional football teams that are on the verge of maybe going in professional and that was something that I probably missed out on you know that that really getting your hands dirty and going in there and with no equipment no facilities and trying to develop what you can so um that's something that I would have definitely gone back and done what sort of skills as a, as a coach do you think you develop? Because you said about, obviously you've worked in football at a, a number of clubs, but you've worked in different sports as well with different athletes of different ages. So what what skills do you think you've developed as as a coach from doing that? Um, I think it's really interesting working with, you know, having worked in football now for a good chunk, um, you learn to work okay you work one-on-one you know you work with rehabs you work with um, one-on-one individual sessions but really it's a team based you're working with uh, 18 to 25 people all the time you're working with coaches so the good thing about going to university in Cardiff when we had that experience or the opportunity to go and work with 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 other um, sports etc was that ability to go and work with sports that were like quantifiable you know whether it be cycling or sprinters um, to see that side of it because I, I was probably even before that before I worked in football was still being a football coach back then was blinded to okay you've got all, all these people at once so how can that experience of working um, with those individual sports is, maybe I need to change the way I coach maybe I need the way change the way I speak to um, um, the technical and tactical coaches of that individual sport so that that's something that I think you also probably miss in football so Again, going back to if, if you get an experience to go and work with individual sports, whether it be sprinting or even tennis or golf, or that, those things where you get quality one-on-one time, it's to, it is a total different thing than working with a team. Um, so I just encourage that. If there's an opportunity to go and do that, it's fantastic. 
And you've obviously mentioned that you're over in Sweden now. So what are the biggest differences between here and there? What would you say is the biggest differences? Um, the country itself is, 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 is fantastic, actually, because it's, uh, you know, I've got friends that come over and obviously visit and family and and they they love coming back now. So the first time they're a bit skeptical about um, oh, Sweden. I'd rather you know I'd rather go on holiday here. Or but and also when people come here now that are like that like fitness and 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 like the gym and like football, the, the country is mad for sport. Um, so it's a health driven country. Um, there's literally gyms everywhere. The, the amount of gyms in Malmo itself is crazy. It's off it's off the scale. Um, and if you go into the shops, you know everything is driven towards some form of health you've got whole aisles if you can imagine um we obviously don't have like tesco and asda over here but if you can imagine like a you have a whole row of of literally just um, protein bars health products amino drinks um everything is driven towards some form of some of health rather than just okay you go into a shop and you buy um, a mars bar or snickers like you could go into any shop and there's some sort of a healthy alternative to to um a snack you know um so it's from that side of it the country is so so different another thing is um the school system i don't i don't know about you but but me coming from coming from i come i think when we were secondary school we probably did we did football we did rugby uh we might have done tennis in the summer we might we did cricket and i think athletics so you're looking at five tops five sports all year round and here the school system is set up so there is so many sports that the, that, that certainly our boys learn and, and obviously the rest of the class learn you're looking at it could be ice hockey it could be floorball you've obviously got football women's football gymnastics boxing taekwondo um, there's so many sports over here which are which are a similar level you know if you look at the UK you've got football is the number one and you've got one or two underneath that and then there's a big drop off with the sports underneath that, but up here or over here, there's there's a collection of of sports which are very very close and pushing each other. You know, ice hockey is 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 the professional level is very high. Um, floorball, um, handball, women's football. We've got one of the biggest um, women's football team here in Malmo as well. They're not called Malmo; they're called a different name, but they're in the Champions League. So the, it's crazy. Like the number of sports over here is. Um, and it's huge and, and what that does for me it's lucky um, in that when I get players in at, at the age of which is the age that I get them um, first is 14 and they've already been immersed in that gross athleticism because they're you know they're in school and they're learning all these different skills and um, it's, it makes my job a little bit easier that they, they can probably move a little bit better than maybe we would in England um, but because of that limited sport, you know? So it's it's really interesting to see the difference. So with your current role at the moment, Matt, is it, what is your official title? Is it Academy? It is Academy. Um, the the role, again, because it's probably, the profession isn't really that far over here. So it's, it's, it doesn't really translate, actually. So they call it like a physical trainer or, a, um, but really, you know, it's an academy conditioning coach, um, but yeah, it doesn't really translate. It's a strange one. There's universities over here, which are, there's there's a couple of good ones further up, two or three hours away and one good in Stockholm. But with regards to, obviously in the UK, you've got 
huge number of universities now which are putting very good degrees together, very good masters together, you know, St. Mary's, Hartbury, UIC, um, Marjorie and Edinburgh, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but over here, there's maybe one or two which are putting out um, applied practitioners. Um, so with regards to the profession, it's not, it's not really a profession. So it's hard to really say, okay, I'm coming out as a lawyer. I'm coming out as this, you know, because it's not really a profession yet. Certainly, certainly in the academy role, which I'm in, um, there are, there are first team, um, fitness coaches or conditioning coaches, but with, with the youth team, you know, it's quite rare. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that respect. So what does your day look like then, Matt? What, who would you end up working with and, and how would your day run? It's, um, it's varied, you know, it is, and, which is fantastic. So you're always on your toes. Um, we will, you, you'll have to come and visit, but we've got a, we've got a stadium. It's, it's around about 20,000, 21,000. Um, and in that stadium, there is a school built into the stadium. Um, or a college so what would it be in English it would be 16 to 18 years old um, 16 to 18 19 built underneath the stadium um, so the majority of our players go to that school and um, we have a few on some outside schools but the majority go there and then right next door we have a uh, school which goes from again what would it be in English it would be year 9 to year 11 so we have most of our players are based within 30 seconds of the stadium, which it, which is the training ground. Um, so what they do, the players will will, will, will come to the, the to a football uh, to the football school, um, and instead of having, for example, a, a PE lesson um, with it, with one of the with one of the teachers once a week, uh, twice a week, it will be that it's with a, a Malmo FF coach. Um, so that's fantastic in that we get control of them when they're in school as well. Um, so from the ages of um, year nine to year 11, I will go into a school session on, um, on a, of a morning um, and deliver an athletic development session, um, which is fantastic. Obviously, obviously there's, there'll be players in that group which are not uh, Malmo FF players. Um, so they get a little bit extra of what they wouldn't get at their clubs. But the majority of our players are in that pool of, or in that class. So I will go in and deliver an athletic development session, which could be, it could be speed mechanics. It could be plyometrics. It could be jumping and landing. It could be et cetera, et cetera, depending. We try to weight it um, biologically. So it will be, um, it'll be weighted in that way. And then we'll have, after lunch, we will have individual sessions. So we'll have players coming in, whether it be um, a goalkeeper specific session, it might be a rehab. It might be, uh, could be anything. And then, when they finish school at 3.30 is then that we get our Malmo FF time. So when it's when it hits 3.30, um, we have uh, four sessions a week with the players, um, three that are on the pitch. And, and, and what is very different compared to the compared to UK, certainly the clubs I've been at, is that they're lucky enough to get one full strength session. So on one day is only strength and conditioning and the other three days the football. Um, so they're training two mornings a week, um, like I say, with Malmo FF coaches, um, so highly qualified coaches, and then in the afternoon, three football sessions, and then, for example, our under-19s, Tuesday only, is a strength and conditioning session where we get some good quality work in. Um, so it could be that I'm working with um, under-14s in the morning, um, 
it could be that I'm working with a 17s, 16s in the afternoon and then always finishing with the under 19s. So my main group is is under 19s, but then I'm spread across spread across everyone really. So it's uh, it's a varied one. You know, the first team fitness coach is also a fitness coach for the Danish national team. So when he goes away to 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 on the international breaks, I'm then in with the first team as well. So it could be it's fun having to just you know switch your coaching style from coaching 13 year olds to coaching 33 year olds so it's it keeps you on your toes you know yeah yeah definitely and with um i've seen some of the stuff you've been putting out you've been using some of the the triphasic work as well is that is that where you're saying about the strength uh the strength conditioning session that they do in the week is that where you implement that so what we do the tri- Triphasic stuff is mainly, um, and, and, and just to give you an idea, that as I said to you off air earlier, the season is is a summer season. So really, the league kicks in in March, April. And we're coming up to the last week now, so the end of October, start of November. Um, so that time after Christmas, from January to April, March, you have a huge chunk, compared to England where you might get five, six weeks, even shorter where the World Cup is, over here, you you know you get a good two or three months to really to really get some time with the players. Um, and what we did, we um, we were lucky enough to to bump into one of the co-authors of triphasic training, and Ben Peterson at a conference actually over here in Sweden. Um, so we went over and spoke to him and asked if he had heard of it being used in football um, or soccer, as he called it. But we and he was unaware of that. So we we racked his brains for a little bit and we talked about. Um, how we could use it with our boys and and ever since so for three years we've been using triphasic training um in our pre-season for those two or three months we'll use it um and it's fantastic also in the fact that when we break it down into um eccentric isometric um and concentric we we're able to screen the players at the same time um especially with our academy boys in that um our fit, we have physiotherapists which are only part-time um so the ability to then be able to screen them in the gym uh, myself when we slow the movements down whether it be a squat and a hinge that we're working on the triphasic program with um that we can get a real understanding of how the player moves and where we need to work um so pro- predominantly we use it in pre-season um any long-term rehabs we tend to stick them on triphasic training and and for me you know it's one of the most underutilized tools out there I think it's fantastic that you you know you really get into the nitty gritty of of the move, um, and it, it just gives you a fantastic screening as well. Like I said, and, and to break that down a little bit more, Matt, just for it's my interest more than anything. Like how how does the sessions look then? So how do you break it down in terms of the phases first? So what what would the length of phase be? I know that would probably depend on the the situation of the player like you said whether they're injured or not or whether you're in and out of season but generally how would it how would your phase look or how long would your phase be on each one yeah yeah um what we tend to do i'll, I'll give you an outline of the the more of the pre-season one is that when they first come back in um it's normally the second week of january but we'll 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 have a little day of um of testing just to get an understanding of what they're coming back like or if we've got any new players um and then the first two weeks um of, of the strength program is built in two 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 eccentric phases uh, two eccentric days rather two isometric days and two concentric days so we have six sessions um just to dose them a little bit and um, not to go too crazy on the eccentric early on just to 
give them a little bit of a, an understanding of what we expect, you know, the duration, the tempo of the lift, and then we'll give them a little bit of a down week in the middle. Then after those six sessions, we would then go back after and really break down the eccentric, um, and then we'll break down the isometric and then the concentric into longer durations. So it might be that we're working on eccentric then for two weeks, two to three weeks, before we move on to isometric for two to three weeks, rather than just two sessions of each, you know. So instead of instead of just dropping a little, um, you know, the analogy of if a tap is just uh, just turned on, we're just dropping a little bit of water of eccentric in at the start, just to get their, uh, their bodies used to it. Once we've had that initial block, just to use their, uh, get their bodies used to it, we have a break, and then we really go after it for two weeks. And it might be that we're working on, I mean, the last season we had squat, hinge, uh, a pull-up um, and we actually went for a bench press as well so we had a push pull a squat and a hinge and the eccentric was um, a six second down um, everything was buddied up so you'd work with the player um, and then we went to the isometric was uh, predominantly a hold at the bottom of the movement for example a squat um, a five second hold at the bottom and then um, we've played a little bit with how we do the concentric we've looked at um, an oscillatory focus in the last season um, and we'll probably go back to more of just the concentric phase of the lift um, next season but we really break it down into those two or three week blocks um, and it, it, you know it gives us a really good quality going into the season um, especially from an injury prevention perspective we're lucky enough not to have I mean from the whole academy overall We've had, I think it is, two, two uh, uh, ACL injuries in three or four years um, from the whole academy, and that has predominantly been in congested um, tournaments, you know, the, the, the type of tournaments where the, the boys are playing three games in, in, in a day. Um, and, and apart from that, we've done very well. Um, so a, a limited soft tissue and limited um, knee injuries um, so it's, it's proved really well and the coach could buy it and the players really like knowing to come in um, what they're doing okay we're on it we're on eccentric data and they just crack on so it's it's creating an environment where they enjoy it they can compete against each other so the scores will go up we'll try and link it positionally as well okay he, he's doing this he's doing that can I try and beat him so we try and make it a bit competitive as well great awesome so what did the program look like when you first arrived there, Mark? Because obviously this is, these are things that I'm guessing that you've brought in um, and introduced to the players, but the, I'm, it's just a guess, but I'm guessing it wasn't like that when you arrived there. So what did it look like when you did arrive? It was, um, like I said, like the, the, the outlook of strength and conditioning for Academy over here is it, it's not there. So it's getting there. I spoke to a few people who work at different clubs and, and there maybe um, 50% uh, uh, I mean for example part time um, so I was lucky enough to get one of the full time ones so it, it's been great to be able to really get your teeth into it and have a look um, and get a needs analysis uh, and build it from scratch but what the boy from for example our boys originally we have we have um, some members of staff with the first team the massage therapists and some of the physiotherapists had had an understanding of what they wanted the players to be coming through like so they was were, were possibly running a session or two maybe one uh, once or twice a month um, and obviously they because their jobs was maybe with the first team exam so there was no real focus on the academy um, so for me it was coming in and just standing back for the first couple of weeks and seeing 
um, what was being done, what could what could be implemented, um, time-wise facilities, what, what equipment did we need? Um, we have we've got a fairly good gym here, which we've which we've really really advanced over the last um, two years. You know, we've knocked some walls down, walls down. We've got some more squat racks. We've got a prowler. We've got an astroturf now. Um, so we really try to push it forward and try to push the limits and become one of the we're hoping to you know to become one of the best in Scandinavia um, as a department but um, before it was it was really minimal strength and conditioning um, certainly nothing on the pitch certainly nothing on the pitch from a rehab perspective uh, maybe one two strength sessions a, week, uh, a, a month tops um, and obviously that was probably in the 19s and 17s as well so my opinion was to make my job easier now we need to start the players earlier um, so when I now work with the players on a, we have a strength pathway in place from the age of um, 14 and under 14s um, all the way up into the under 19s so that when they come to me at the under 19s that they're you know they're proficient at almost everything you obviously get a few players who are you know the stragglers and they're struggling a little bit whether it be they're going through their peak cut velocity or you've had a player come in late to the program and they're a little bit behind but 75 to 80% of the players coming through now, um, when they get to the under-19 stage, um, you can have a little bit more of a play and, and uh, with different training methods. And then if they are lucky enough to get to the first team, you know, then, then again, the first team fitness coach hasn't got too much work to do in that. They're very good movers by the time they get to him. So um, that's a, that was a key thing of, of the job role being, being sold to me in that, unlike maybe the Premier League where, where it's very difficult, you know, to get a player into the first team, we're lucky in that there's a big chance that a player could make it as a scholar into our first team. Um, and then, you know, if they flourish, then they might leave and go elsewhere in Europe. But there's a big chance that they could get into our first team. So I think we have six or seven scholars now who've gone up. Um, and, we, you know, we're, we're proud that they're, you know, they're, decent movers and and the first team can almost you know there we go it's a package you do what you want with them um, we're happy that we've developed them well enough and, and off you go so um, no it's good it, it's very good so what would you because you've obviously had a lot of buy-in from both players and coaches there to be able to implement that and put your stamp on the programme and get the trust as well from both players and coaches so what would your advice Mark to be uh, be to a coach that is going into a club probably like you did um, firstly I think it's just standing back and, and, and appreciating the programme that's already in place you know and not going and changing everything at once that was something I had to be really careful of of not just coming in and you know copy and paste from maybe a club that I've been at before um, and see and what would work what won't work what times do the players train what do they have here what do they have here um um, so that was, you know, that was the first part of course of appreciating what's already in place, and that, that's taken a while to really understand. Okay, that's why that's being done. You know, that's why that is in place because because that functions that way. So it, it, rather than just coming in and and just going all gong ho, you know, it's you need to stand back and have a look at the program. Um, something something which is which blew my mind a little bit of start was the fact that um, we have an under 21s uh, squad here uh, rather an under 21s league um, that's not a squad so we have that squad is they will go and play a game um, 
and that's what it that's that team is made up of under 19s players and first teams players so we're you know we're losing players they will go and play on a Tuesday night for example and then they'll play on a Saturday night so it was a case of really um, trying to figure out when we can get strength and conditioning into the programme um, you know with, in England you have a 21 squad and you have games and they're set and it, it's it's very easy to programme and, and put things in place but um, when you've got players that are maybe going to play for under 21s on a Tuesday they're then playing for the under 19s on a Saturday they're going to play for a national team the next week is really having to be very flexible over here with how you deal with the players and and you know that's something that's just come up over the last couple of years is is, is minimal dose and how we how we use it use that at, at, the, at the best of its ability to try and get some strength and conditioning in um so it's 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 an interesting one you really have to stand back and 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 understand how it works rather than just going in, like I've said, going home and saying, this is how we want it to do it. You know, because we maybe can't go and do a gym session on a, on a, on a Tuesday if there's another 21s game on a, on a Wednesday. So it's really trying to find when, where can we find the best parts um, to piece it together to create the best for an athlete or, or, or the player. I suppose that comes from your experiences as well, though, doesn't it? Because uh... I think it'd be very tempting for coaches to go into a program like you said and try and make a lot of changes in one go and then not not get the buy-in from the players and the coaches and then essentially the program won't be as effective but um yeah, yeah I think I, I think do you think that comes from experience do you think that comes from watching other coaches and making changes to programs yeah definitely you know we um having having worked at other clubs as well and See, for example, seeing coaches come and go and how they need to develop. We've had maybe even with our first team here, we've had three or four coaches since I've been here. So it's just interesting to see how what coaches want and 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 what they need, and um, certainly from other clubs as well, and how training philosophies can change. So probably going back, I was very um, tactical periodization based, um, and and you know that changes with a coach if they if they want to work a different way then you have to adapt as well um, but like I say it takes time as well you could you could go and be um, all gong ho and, and say no we have to do it this way but you have to be adaptable certainly in today's football where things can change you know like the flick of a coin next thing you've got a new coach in or you've got this players moved to this club or it's 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 not as easy as it as it would appear and certainly when we talk about like writing programs for for football, it's it's almost impossible. It really is almost impossible. So if we're we're talking about okay, if you've got a quantifiable athlete like a sprinter or a, where you know where the meets are going to be, you know where the the races are going to be. Football is it, the word. The one word is chaos. You know because you've got games left, right, and centre. The players going to national team, as I've said, they could play this game. They could train with the first team tomorrow. So you have to be as adaptable as possible, and the program can change on a daily basis it can change on a weekly basis um so but you know that that's the big that's fun that's the part of it is is being able to do that and i think it takes the takes a special individual you i was probably too ocd at the start and it was it was racking my brains and what we can't you know that's coming away from the program but now you have to just be like okay that's fine then how else can we get a little bit of work with the player or how else can we do this or okay the player has played um on Tuesday now he's going to be on the bench on Saturday so maybe we could get a little bit of 
um, a little bit of strength work after the game, you know. And that's something we've been working on recently is a little bit of minimal dose after a game. As soon as we finish into the gym, we might do two sets of Copenhagen holds and then we might do one set of Nordics. Okay, then you're gone. So it's just being adaptable and, and being able to just turn it on and off when you can. Um, but it's fun, you know. That's part of that's part of football. Yeah, amazing. And from the, obviously you mentioned the strength programs there. From all the players that you've worked with, because I'm guessing across all the clubs that you've been at, and even the different um, the different athletes and different coaches you coach under, what do you, where do you see the main areas that players? Um, I suppose lack or need to work on mainly strength wise mobility wise what, what do you see as the commonalities I know it's case dependent play to player but where do you see the commonalities um, it's definitely you know it's, it's I like to think we've got the players in a good place from a posterior ch- uh, standpoint so we um, we don't get too many hamstring injuries what we what we do lack is is probably mobility because you know they're just drilled into that same movement pattern over time over time over time um and that's you know that's part of with our younger academy just going off on a tangent again i'm just my head's going everywhere but that's why we try and work on sorry we go on like more gross athleticism so we try and expose the players to different movements whether it be a game of twister or it might be um, a disguised mobility session or crawl for this hurdle and so we're trying to get them away from football a little bit um, because you know early specialisation from a young age is, is going to happen in football and, and in a lot of sports whether we like it or not um, if we want to get the best players at the biggest clubs it's going to happen so how can we as fitness coaches work around that to make sure that we don't just overload the same patterns over and over again um, you know and, and and then it's just coaching how you want that so uh, like I said our, our younger boys are under 14s we might be playing Twister we might be playing a game of um, we might be playing some different crawling variations we might be and the way I think of those is, is normally like okay what games do we play as kids how can we put what we want into that game um, so it's fun and it's just disguised where our under 19s might be doing a little bit more structured work. They know they're close to being a professional footballer now and, and it's more structured. But um, the main thing is, like I say, regressing a little bit now is probably is probably mobility um, and and how we try and really hone in on that in our under-19s group is that um, we try and bucket the players in, in, to, in some regards in that um, we'll have the group in three buckets um, something I picked up from James Baker, um, strength and conditioning coach. I think he's out in Qatar or Dubai somewhere now. But he just chatting with him about bucket groups and how to work with sort of um, fifteen to twenty to twenty-five players. And and the best thing that could come to mind was this bucket group idea. So what we do with our under nineteens is um, we'll have a third of the group, for example, working um, on a little bit of mass development. You know, we tend to play it. To, sorry, we tend to push our players up quite young, so we'd have a, a few smaller players, um, and they'll be in a mass development group, so maybe slightly higher reps, for example. We might have a strength and advanced strength group, and we might, you know, they're quite strong. They can move, they're flexible, mobile, and, and they can they can move very well and, and lift some decent decent 
weights so they might be more contrast we might be doing some French contrast with those players and then the ones that are really struggling with the mobility aspect um, will be in a mobility group whereby if we're doing if we're doing squats or hinges as soon as they finish that particular exercise they're straight into um, a, a mobility exercise so we try and individualize it a little bit um, and like I said that is the key that I think we lose that is the most with a footballer is definitely a little bit of mobility just because that drilled pattern over time and time and time again so but yeah regress that's how we try and deal with it in certainly with our under 19s is we bucket it and if there's anyone who's struggling really with mobility whether it be um, dorsiflexion or hips or it could be um, lumbar spine thoracic spine then we just try and as soon as they're in the strength program everything is supersetted with mobility exercises in and out, in and out. Um, and we just try and work over that as the years go on. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say about that one. Yeah. That's a great way for coaches to manage the individual in, in the team environment as well. It's a great example of how you guys are doing it and how other clubs could easily do that as well. Yeah. It um, seems to work quite nicely. It's, um, and the players take ownership of it, you know. It could be a, a challenging exercise from a mobility standpoint. Um, it could be a crawling exercise or a, or a rack walk. Or, But once they know, okay, this is why you're in that group. You are strong, but you, you're lacking here mobility-wise. Um, they know, okay, they know that and they need to work on it. So, it, you know, it's good. It's very good. Well, Mark, I'm, I'm not going to keep you any longer because I know um, I'm taking up loads of your day. So I really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, giving us all the insight that you've gone into today so thanks a lot for that oh, no problem at all um, is there anywhere that they guys, sorry mate is there anywhere the guys can get in touch with you if they've got any questions about anything um, of course I think I want to say that my I'm probably starting to go away from uh, Twitter a little bit now actually I don't know why that is but I think I'm going more towards um, the video side of it and, and, and Instagram I think I'm coach Mark underscore are I think probably oh, the same well, one on Twitter well, actually you'll have to yeah you'll have to put it up um, otherwise you know we, we my email address is mark.read at mff.se if you want to you know I'm always open to to Skype people back home I've Skyped a few people recently just to talk just to talk you know um, just to catch up throw some ideas around and, and I'm always open to that um, and what I will say is we probably we might actually have an internship coming up recently uh, soon as well so keep everyone can keep their eyes open for that if anyone does fancy moving moving abroad for a little bit and, and testing the testing the water in a different environment so keep your eyes peeled for that one as well great stuff that's amazing well uh, thanks a lot mate and I'll uh, we'll hopefully catch up soon nice one thank you Ben uh, uh, cheers mate bye. bye big thank you to Mark for taking some time out of his very busy schedule for uh, to speak to us um, to go and follow Mark just go and add him on he said he wasn't using Twitter as much but his Twitter is at underscore read Mark but he is putting plenty of content out on Instagram which is at coach Mark underscore R so go and give Mark a follow on both of those and you can see some of the work he's doing with the Malmo players I think it was great to get an insight into how they implement triphasic work um, and how that's working with the players and also how they manage individuals but within the team. I think they were some of the biggest takeaways for me. If you haven't already, go and check out our Football Fitness 
Federation online community. Um, it's available for players and coaches via our website, which is footballfitfed.com. There's a community tab at the top. The community is set up for players and coaches to share information, to share experiences, to talk about different challenges they might be going through or information that they need. And we've got loads of different information on there from nutrition to recovery work to speed, um, loads and different stuff, conditioning drills. And we've also just added some um, pre-match nutrition information on there too. So go and check it out via our website. And also, we are just a couple of days now away from our Brighton meeting. So all the coaches that are booked onto the meeting down in Brighton with presentations from Will Abbott and Josh Hook, we will see you all down there on Friday. Um, we'll be starting at six o'clock. We've got loads of cool things planned for you and I hope that you meet um, and build your network, which is essentially what it's all about. And like I said in the last episode, we will be releasing details of our next meeting, which is going to be early next year, and that'll be out very soon. So just keep an eye out on our social media for that. Our Twitter is at FootballFitFed, and our Instagram is at FootballFitFed. Email is mail at FootballFitFed.com. So drop us a message um, if you're interested in the meetings, and we'll keep you up to date with it. Also, please go and leave us a review. So to boost, um, boost us up iTunes, we need some reviews now on the podcast. So please go and leave a review about what you found about the podcast. And um, oh yeah, we only take five-star reviews, by the way. So that'll be much appreciated. And we will speak to you next week. Thanks a lot.